Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents to put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because today we have Kevin Perenio. He is a partner and chief lending officer over at PRMG. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say, man. I don't know, but hey, you know what? It, it, it's, Welcome some, to the show. it's some made up title. It's just a made up title <laughs> I came up with when I moved to California. <laughs> that's right, man. You know, you, you guys got to use all these crazy titles in the mortgage industry, man. It make me confused. Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, man. So give us some background, give us some context as to who you are and you know, what kind of got you into the industry and kind of, I don't know, give us a little story, give us a little intro as to who you are, man. Sure. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to serve your audience. You know, we're absolutely, our company's uh, built by originators for originators, you know, so we serve them in all channels and just trying to help grow our communities together. Speaking of, born and raised in Dallas, went to school in Austin, a Longhorn. You can probably see some Longhorn gear somewhere around here. And you know, after graduating from uh, UT, I worked at Dell Computers for a little bit. And hanging around Austin, I got pulled into being a wholesale account executive for First Magnus back in 01. You know, after two years, I cruised over to Tampa. My VP acquired the state of Florida. I was like, I'll try Florida, you know, spread our wings. And six months later, after training a bunch of wholesale EEs, I went down to South Florida and ran an ops and sales team down there until the crash happened and had my own company for three years, North Star Lending. So I got like a real PhD there, you know, in the sure. depths of the, of the great recession, learning how to run a lender, right? You know, from 07 yeah. until 10. And the guys I'd partnered up with, you know, they weren't really mortgage people and they, I don't think they realized it was a tough market in their defense. And so how much cash it took to really survive. And so that company went down and I found Paul and Robert, you know, the guys that founded PRMG. They had no East Coast presence, nothing east of the Mississippi. And I had a whole team of ops and sales, you know, we're just looking for a new home. And I really liked the guys and the way they do business and how they operated. And, you know, they're financially stable. And here I am 12 years later, which includes about seven years ago, they made me their partner. And I moved from Fort Lauderdale to Southern California and live in Orange County and work in Riverside County and Corona in the office and just trying to help. Every day, man, I'm just a humble servant, just like everybody else in this business, man. It's all about, you know, it's financial services, man. All we do is serve. And so, right. you know, either you're a servant or you're not. And I'm here to serve, brother. That's why you asked for my help. I said, man, that's what I do. Anyone ask for my help or my advice or my whatever, like, you know, let's just figure out a time and let's do it. Awesome, man. Yeah, it sounds like you uh, lived in some pretty terrible areas, you know, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> You know, California, Texas, you know, I'm just kidding, but uh, it's awesome. Garland. You, sounds like you really like the sun though, huh? Yeah, I like the sun, you know, and when I was born in Dallas, you know, it was, I was actually in like Texoma for a couple of years. I moved, you know, to right on the border. My dad bounced around working for Tex Instruments. It's hot in Texas. It's hot, it's a lot of mosquitoes, yeah. but it gets hot in the summer in South Florida, but it's pretty nice there in the winter. Now that I live in Southern California, man, I've gotten so soft. I used to be so tough. And uh, man, this lack of humidity and lack of bugs, like, you know, I don't know what I do now if I had to go somewhere cold or hot or buggy yeah, or yeah. buggy, you know, so I'm a wuss. I own it. Agreed, man. I'm the same. I love Southern California too, right? San Diego. So we were just in uh, Lake Tahoe a couple of weeks ago. You know, we usually do that once a year. We just go up there and spend a little bit of time in the snow and 
you know, we were snowed out after a couple of days, man. It was pretty <laughs> wild up there that weekend. So it's fun, man. But obviously like leaving that after seven days is pretty nice. Whereas, uh, you know, some people have to live that their whole winter. So I was jealous pretty, of you. Yeah. We do have it pretty nice out here. Right. Anybody. Awesome, man. So, you pay for so, it. So <laughs> yeah, we do pay for it. That's for sure. If you've ever looked at real estate prices here in uh, San Diego or anywhere down here in California, you'll definitely pay for it. So, I'm just glad you and I bought when we did, you know, 15 and 16, right? You know, it's like, oh rates man. Are crazy it's, down there too. Yeah. I mean, you know, sure we refinanced and locked in some historically great rates, but God, man, buying an estate is just, it's tough right now, man. It's hard. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, we can talk about that here in a second. I mean, we're in quite a market right now. I mean, we're recording this December of 22, probably won't be out till January sometime. But you know, it's a crazy market. And I know you just mentioned a couple minutes ago that you also went through some other tough markets, right? So what are the lessons you've learned kind of going through some of these different hard times over the years? I'll tell you this market, it's tough. You know, I'm 46. So I don't want to, you know, sound like, oh, back in my day, you know, um, <laughs> 07, 08 was tough in a different way, right? We had a like a massive credit collapse. And so it was a different tough. It was like, for the majority of us, wherever you work, probably went out of business, you know? And so, you know, you were like, okay, you no longer have a job. I know things were great in the last couple of years. You crushed it. I hope you saved. Now you have to go start from scratch somewhere else, right? That was a different kind of task. Most of us here, you know, our companies didn't go out of business, although there's some, especially in the non-QM ranks. And then, sure. you know, you see hedge funds show their two colors like they always do. Like they don't like losing money. So they just shut divisions down or companies down. But most people are still employed, you know, where they were, you know, in 2021 and 22, where like it was good for two and a half years, like amazingly good. Right. So now you just have to grind through this slog, right? And so, you know, rates are up. Business is down. Maybe we're in a recession. Maybe we're not in a recession. Who knows? So it's a different, you know, task at hand. You know, you're fighting through it. I think that that's a little less, you know, tough than it was in 08. That's not to diminish what we're going through, but you still have so much you've built on your brand, your name, your locale, your office, your team. You know, what's left of it. Hopefully, you got to, you know, retain as much of it as you can. Your database is still intact, and so. You know, my dad said something to me in 07, it always stuck out, you know, it's like, you know, when first Magnus went out of business in August of 07, and I had to tell 107 people, hey, sorry, everyone, you know, you put your faith and trust in this company and me as your leader, you know, today's our last day. You know, my dad said, you know what, son, you didn't make the wave, but you looked good riding it, right? Now, you know, of course, that's what he would say, I'm his son. I don't know how good I looked, but it was fun. <laughs> the reality is, you know, Wall Street kind of has us a little figured out, Right. You know, rates go up, business goes down. Rates go down, business goes up. And that's just the cold, hard truth. You know, we buy and sell money. And when money's cheap, like it was in 20 and 21, there's plenty of it flowing around. And now there's not, right? So the Fed's trying to fight inflation and they've raised rates and, you know, it's risk off. So what I will say is that now that you're in it and you're fighting through it, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas, you know, back in 08, it's like, you know, I got to go create a new tunnel or find someone else that's digging a tunnel and help them dig, you know, or maybe there's some light over here. You know, it took a few years for, for that credit collapse to like, you know, catch a break. And I mean, really like years of just nothing here, you know, hell, the first six months of 22 were pretty good. I mean, PRMG had the biggest May we've ever had. Not May of 21, not May of 20. May of 22 was our best may we've ever had just kind of worked out that way right the calendar in the first six months of the year you know we we're profitable 
the second half of the year has been tough. Um, right. But ever since in November, when the October Consumer Price Index report came out, which was, you know, there was less inflation than expected. And then we just had another one back to back last week, you know, here in December when the November CPI came out. It's the first time we've had two reports back to back with less inflation than everyone thought. And so since that report in November, rates have been coming down. So I've been saying we've seen peak rates and peak inflation. And that's good because even though we're in the middle of it, people aren't looking as many houses or not listing as many houses for sale because it's the holidays. You know, 75% or so of listers go then buy another house. And listings have come down and they continue to come down kind of until about that first or second week of January. So we're in a peak seasonal trend, right? But we can see rates getting better and the pipelines are swelling. With borrowers who've been sitting on the sidelines for the last six months, they're looking, they're formulating their thoughts, they're getting pre-qualified, they're getting ready. They're waiting for something, right? You know, they're waiting for, you know, one or two, you know, maybe a combination of rates getting better, cheaper deal, cheaper money, which we're seeing. And then prices coming down, a cheaper price on the house. And both are happening. And so now it's like, all right, why wait? If you wait when everyone clearly sees the same thing, you're going to be fighting the crowd again because it's going to be busy in March through June. You know it's going to be busy in March through June. There's not a housing supply. There's a lot less houses out there. People aren't building. And so, you know, get out in front of it. And so it's like our job to communicate that at scale, teaching financial literacy at the originator and community level and just making the most of it and then having boom, 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 all these dominoes hit at the same time into Q1, into Q2, you know, and it's just keeping that mindset about doing that work and grinding that work, you know, working twice as hard for half the money or four times as hard for the same amount of money, right? So that's right. that's what we've been talking about. That's what I've been preaching. Love the fact that we've got your platform to do some more of that communication and get that word out there because things are getting better. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I love that you touched on mindset, right? I think so much of, I mean, success in general, but so much of how we achieve and things like that. And, and the way we see the market is based on mindset, right? Like, yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about growing into this market. I think most people probably took a hit in 2022 versus, you know, the last couple of years. But that being said, it's like, you know, the mindset that you approach the market, one of the ways that, you know, we're talking with our team, we talk with other loan officers, things like that is is assurance, right? Like times like this, everybody's fearful, right? The media is pumping out that the world is ending pretty much, right? That mm -hmm. everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And like, it's up to us. Like people are begging to be led, right? People are begging oh, to be yeah. led. And so many people, I mean, we talked about this, I think off air, but we were talking about, you know, leadership, right? Leadership is the main ingredient for why people stay at certain companies and things like that, right? Who's your immediate leader? And I think that is true for loan officers. It's true for all of us, right? But leadership, mindset, just having that assurance that like things are going to be okay. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. we all we've been through this. I mean, there's been cycles, there's always cycles, things are ups, things are down as entrepreneurs, as you know, uh, loan officers are pretty close as close to entrepreneurs as you can get uh, without necessarily having to, you know, have your own, you know, everything yourself, but it's pretty close. And 100%. that is what's the most important thing I would say. Always it's important, but especially in a market like this is knowing that, the actions that you're taking are going to have payoff, but continuing mm -hmm. to take those actions, despite maybe not seeing it, right? We talked, you said, you know, four times as much work to get the same amount of money as last year, right? That's just what it's going to take <laughs> in a market like today. Totally. What, do you, what do you think about that, man? We talked a lot about leadership. Tell me a little bit about kind of like how can loan officers lead in a market like today? Well, I like the fact that you're specifically talking about loan officers because 
you know, they need to hear some things that maybe they haven't heard before, right? So, you know, the secondary market is cold, heartless, and unforgiving, right? I mean, there's a spectrum of what we do, which is like, you know, we buy and sell money, right? right. And then the other side of the spectrum, the other end, which is the feel-good part, it's like, hey, man, we're fostering the American dream, right? right. And so I don't know what motivates everybody, and that's not the point. But the point is to acknowledge what it is that we do. And so these sure. kind of the talking points, I love to get these talking points out. You know, I do LinkedIn videos twice a week. I'm very disciplined about it. I'm doing Monday and Thursday nights. And I try and give talking points for anyone to use, whether they work for PRMG or not. I hardly even, you know, pimp out my company. Like I just, you know, I talk about it as a frame of reference sure. as an owner. And then I started doing this new video series on YouTube called KP Talks Dollars and Cents. And the same kind of content Finding Financial Freedom with KP on your home TV, which is a streaming network with Kathy Ireland. So I'm trying to serve, man. I'm trying to put it out there. But as it relates to your question specifically in loan officers, I think it's important to recognize that like, we're talking about money. And when you talk about money, it's like the number one thing that causes stress in people's marriages. It's the number one thing that people get depressed about during the holidays. You know, it's the thing that people have, you know, real issues with. They aren't taught it you know, growing up, you know, if you come from maybe a tough background where you didn't have money, you know, you don't know how to get into money. Maybe you look at money in a negative way, you know, like, look, I didn't grow up, you know, in the nicest place. I didn't grow up in the worst place. I grew up in Garland, Texas. You know, if you've ever seen King of the Hill, it's in Arlen, Texas, which, you know, this is kind of a little white trash kind of, you know, cartoon. The guy that created it grew up, you know, not too far from me. Right. So, you know, I was always had that thing like, oh, I didn't like the rich kids. You know, I was had a chip on my shoulder, you know, but you could become yeah. a rich kid in this business. You're a loan officer. You probably became a rich kid or a rich person in America. You're probably a top 5% income earner in 20 and 21 because loans were literally falling out of the sky. And that's not to diminish the effort it took to get it to go through the system. But now that it's tough, you know, you realize like, okay, I'm running a business and, you know, I'm buying and selling money and money's scarce. And it's not my fault, you know, but I got to do something about it. There's less liquidity in the system. There's less money. There's less big institutions taking chances. Money's more expensive. Rates are higher. None of that I control whatsoever, but right. I got to deal with the repercussion of that. And so do borrowers. And so the task at hand is still the same. You know, originators at the community level still have to communicate at scale, financial literacy and tell consumers and be certain about what they're telling them. Yes. yes. Bars are scared. You know, it's amazing. Like when you have a brand new originator in the business, they're like an expert in 30 days, literally compared to almost 90% of consumers that get on the phone with them. They know more literally within a month. Imagine how much more they know within 90 days or a year or two, especially after what we went through the last couple of years. So have that confidence knowing that you are bringing certainty versus uncertainty. And like you said, there's tons of uncertainty. Are we in a recession? Are we going into one? How deep will it be mild? Will impact me or not? You know, I just filmed some content earlier today that we're going to put out. And I actually pointed out the ways that a recession is good. Recessions are good in certain ways. How are they good in certain ways? Well, if rates continue to come down, well, money's cheaper. Your mortgages become more affordable. Your monthly payment comes down. You know, you can afford a house. Inflation coming down means your real wages have more buying power, right? right. It's not as expensive for lodging, cars, food, energy. When inflation comes down, the power of the money you make is greater. So that invisible tax has been hitting us the last six months, a year plus. 
that's coming down. So now your power of your income, you have more real wage power. That's a huge plus. So all these things are reasons why recessions are good. Of course, if you lose your job, obviously that's bad. But you know, still, you know, many of us in the economy, we have a very low unemployment rate. So you know, those that are gainfully employed and are renting, you are in a much better and more favorable spot every single day. We move closer to even a recession. You are in a much more favorable spot as opposed to you know where we just came from because your buying power, your wages are stronger, rates are coming down, home prices are more affordable than they were the last half of 2022. So for us, we have to create that communication feedback loop with consumers at scale, right. social media like this, free social media, promoting yourself, you know, on Instagram, Storyboards, Facebook, you know, Google, whatever it is, telling this story, bringing this certainty to the ears of consumers who, like you said, can be fearful if they're watching the news. I don't even watch TV, right? Like people are always asking like, why are you so positive? I don't watch TV. I don't care about politics. The only thing I watch is like my Dallas Cowboys and my Longhorns and they break my heart. Yes, but I'm over it, you know, <laughs> you know, after about a day or an evening. So yeah, watching the news is tough, you know? So it's our job to bring the real data, what's going on in real time at the street level and community level, why now is a great time to start getting into a house. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it comes down to, I mean, we talked about it, certainty at the end of the day, right? It's, are you certain in what you do? And it's funny that you brought up this concept of like, you know, after 30 days, you are an expert. One of our coaches who's kind of does like the direct to consumer coaching on how to convert online leads. He talks about that. He's like, man, when I'm training bankers, when I'm training loan officers, that's literally what I tell them is like, you know, so much more than the average person. And I think we can talk about that here real quick is I think loan officers, a lot of times and people in general, we are saddled by this thing called the curse of knowledge, right? We think that the knowledge that we have, everybody else knows. And so it's like just common knowledge, but it's not true. You know, people don't know anything about the mortgage process. Mm-hmm. I worked for a mortgage bank for four years or whatever. And I didn't realize that I could buy a house with, you know, 3% down. I thought I had to have, you know, 800 credit score and uh, 20% down all these things. And finally, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I should talk to a loan officer. And come to find out, oh, I could have bought a couple of years before. And I, if I would have, I would have obviously got even a better deal than I got in 2015, right? <laughs> but it's just one of those things that like, I think loan officers forget how little the average consumer knows. Yeah, there's going to be people that have bought a house. They might have experience. But even people that have bought a house, like they don't even know a lot. Yeah, they know they should be probably shopping around for a rate and things like that. But the consumers mm-hmm. don't know. All they know is what was fed to them by the media, which is you need 20% down. And what's happening right now is... <laughs> You shouldn't buy, you know, home prices are going to crash, rates are, you know, sky high. That's what the media is telling everybody. And so like, it's this like downstream of, you know, loan officers saying, oh, woe is me. I'm not getting business, which that same energy is now transferred to everybody you talk to when you have that sort of mindset. And so if mm-hmm. you don't think about it that way, I think that's the hardest part is like keeping your mind sharp and clear and like positive because I mean, again, like the energy that's felt by them, if you come to them like, oh yeah, you, oh, you want to buy right now? Okay. Versus like, oh yeah, this is a great time <laughs> to buy. Like what a different energy, right? And people do well, that and they don't understand why it's not working for them because they sit around the water cooler every day and they complain about how bad life is and how bad the rates are. Like you said, the uncontrollables. And it's funny that you brought that up real quick before we can jump to you. When I used to work as an AE, my boss used to always tell me, control what you can control. <laughs> And it used to piss me off every single time. It used to piss me off. 
I'd be like, no, it's the underwriters. It's this, it's that, it's whatever. It's that we don't have good enough pricing. But then now as I look back as a business owner and stuff, I'm like, oh, he was 100% right. That's all you can control. That's all you can do is control you, your mindset and your actions. 100%. Man, you know, it's funny. You brought the mindset and the what was me thing. You know, our CEO out here, he says, you know, man, that's someone I want in my foxhole. And, you know, if mm. you take that like analogy a little bit further, imagine you actually are in a foxhole and you're mm. sitting next to your coworker, your fellow soldier, right? You know, and you're literally taking incoming fire. You're returning fire. Do you want to look to your side and see that person curled up in a little fetal position scared? Right. Hell no. Right. You know, you and I were out with our, you know, our buddies and, Something goes down. Someone says something disrespectful to our wives. You want to know, like your buddies next to you are going to fight. Like you know, let's yeah. let's handle this, right? So it's the same thing. You know, like nobody wants negativity or someone carrying away from a fight. And it is a fight. It's a fight every day. It's a fight for home ownership. It's a fight to create wealth. It's a fight to communicate. And you know, so there are some things that you can say with absolute certainty. And you know. Look, I love all the like the homeownership hurdle and the credit score and my debt and how much can I put down, all that kind of stuff. Like, like you and I can get into every little tactical thing. We've heard all of them before. But you know, I try and just have like one big hook. Like the day you start in this business, whether you know you're 30 days in or not, like the coach you're talking about was saying, there's one thing you can say to someone who rents unequivocally every time. And this is not to disparage renters, because look, you're not born a homeowner, you know, you gotta kind of work your way through life, right? And so if you are renting, you are paying 100% interest rate every day, and you are making a landlord rich, you are building their wealth, and you're gaining no equity and no wealth. If you want to talk about how to do that, you need to talk to an originator. You need to talk to me. You need to talk to my friend. You need to talk to this. But you could just stop right there. It doesn't matter where all the things you don't control, rates, prices of homes, is it a recession? None of that matters. You could just speak to renters and make a whole career and go, are you still renting? Why? Why? What are you waiting for? There are things that you don't know about. You could probably qualify for a home today, but you haven't even tried. You're in right. your own head. You're in your own way. Talk to an originator today. So, you know, you could just start right there and have a whole campaign on that hook. Because like you said, then the conversation starts. And then it's like, yep. I have $100,000 in student loan debt. No, 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 no. You have $127 in monthly student loan debt. And that's all we care about. I've got a $40,000 credit card bill hanging on my head. No, no, no. You have a $250 credit card monthly payment. That's all we care about. Like all these things start to come out. No, you don't need 20% down. Oh, you're a veteran. You got the best loan in the business because you serve this country. You're going to get served right back. Zero money down. Your credit score needs to be this, this, that. I mean, all those things come up in the conversation, which is why the first loan originator that talks to a borrower literally wins that business like it's like 92% of the time because it just takes that conversation to completely blow the mind of a consumer and go, man, I didn't know this, 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 and this. Luke, you're a stud. Man, here's my business. I don't need to talk to someone else for an hour. Thank you for opening my eyes. Let's roll. It's funny you said that. I was actually just doing some research earlier today and I saw an article, I think it was at CFPB actually, that said that a little bit under half of the people never talk to another originator. So they work with the first originator and it says three out of four people talk to other people, but don't actually apply with more than one person. Yeah. Right? So being I, the first person is huge. Key. It's huge. huge. Yeah. It's huge. 
it's a crazy numbers. It's crazy that like, you know, and obviously like you're probably more likely to be shopped if it's like a refinance and someone's already done a totally. transaction. They're a little bit more savvy, but like, yeah, the first time home buyers know nothing. They really don't. And, you know, one of the things that we train on a lot is like understanding people's motivations is way more important than trying to convince them with external things. Like, you know, so it's like actually understanding like what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, we're salespeople at the end of the day, right? Loan officers are salespeople. And it's like, our goal is to uncover the pain. Like what's the pain that they're in? They're renting. Like no one wants to rent. I mean, some people no. want to rent. There's some weirdos out some there that do. want to rent. I mean, you know, they like the ability to move around if they want to. But most yeah. people, they want to buy a house, right? Most people want to buy. And so uncovering what it is that's painful to them, right? Oh, they're having a kid. Oh, you know, their neighbors are partying above them. Those are the things that are actually going to get them to take action to do the outcome that they want, which is buy a home or, you know, get the mm-hmm. loan, right? But I think so many times loan officers get stuck on the, oh, well, you want to buy a home. What neighborhood are you looking for? Things like that. It's like, well, yeah, that's important. But I think what's more important is actually understanding their motivations and why they're doing it. And that's how you can get them to move forward today, right? Like that's how you get them to have that urgency and scarcity about moving today instead of, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to wait till the market shifts. And we actually, it's funny, we just did a training last week on urgency and scarcity and why people need to move forward. Because like, you know, so many times loan officers are like, oh, they said they wanted to wait. Like, are they the experts in the mortgage industry or are you? Right? Yeah, like, what why are they, are they yeah, waiting? what are they waiting on? Yeah. Who told them to wait? Diana Olick on CNBC that just poops housing every time. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's leadership, right? At the end of the day, it's leadership. And I think sales gets a bad connotation. Sales has this bad rap about like, oh, you're convincing someone to do something they shouldn't be doing. That's not what sales is, in my opinion. Sales is uncovering the problem and showing them the solution and why they should be moving forward with you, right? Like if it's not the time to do it, then don't obviously convince someone to buy today when they, you know, they can't. They can barely afford to pay rent. But I mean... Most of the people that if they're qualified, they should be buying today. If they can afford the payment, they should be buying today. Totally agree. I mean, you know, you bring a few good points. I'll, I'll throw some nuggets out there for you in the audience. So I think it was like four years ago, I saw the stat that if you're the first originator or realtor to talk to a bar, you win that business something like 65% yeah. of the time. It was if you were the first or second, you won it 88% of the time. And both those numbers slid up, right? You know, because look, I mean, especially like you said, a first time home buyer, either you're communicating well and you're vibing with this person and you're providing value. When they hang up with you, they could go look at all of your reputation online. They could see all the reviews about you, right? So, you know, is this person's rate terrible? Are they an awful human being? Do they lie to me? Is their service terrible? You know, people are doing that usually before they even get on the phone with you. So that's why there's such a huge, you know, conversion ratio if you get them on the phone. So a lot of tactics right now are like, how do you show your value proposition and then get someone on the phone with you? Reputation management is one of them. You know, all your reviews online, you know, that's huge. You know, you talk about renters, right? And so a lot of times, like, let's say like, okay, look, if someone's renting on Newport Beach Peninsula, they're not going to then turn around and buy the $4 million home, right? You know, so yeah, so that person is renting for a reason. They want to be in downtown LA or New York or San Francisco. They're not going to own. So I get it, right? But again, the hook is still the same. I mean, you are not earning any equity and you're paying this number every single month. So one of the things that I've coined is the starter home, right? So I know we call first time home buyers, but there's the starter home. And it's much like our starter car, right? My first car was a piece of crap, 89 Chevrolet Corsica, roll up windows, no automatic locks either. Didn't even have a tape deck. It was awful, but it was four grand. And you know, it was what it was, right? Then my next car, after I got out of college and got a job, 
and lived at home for seven months. My parents saved us some money. I was able to get like a brand new Ford Explorer Sport with everything, you know, all dialed in. So, Ooh. you know, yeah, well, you know, it was the, the small one, but I bought it, you know, I bought yeah. it, but that was my second home, right? That was my second car. And so it's the same thing with the home, you know, your first home you buy, your starter home may not have the pool. You may be outside of town. You may have to travel a little bit inland to get to your job. Maybe you're fortunate you can work from anywhere, but you just, you got to open a door and start creating wealth and creating equity for yourselves. And then you can use that nested equity to get further on down the line. But it's a starter home that you got to get into. And so I've always introduced that, you know, into the conversation, like, you know, this is your starter home. It may not be everything you want, but you just, you got to start. You got to start somewhere and open a door because, you know, most people, you know, who generate wealth and by the way, like something like 90% of millionaires in America did it through real estate. So if you're renting, you know, your likelihood of being a millionaire is pretty low. So, you know, you just got to get into the starter home and then you gain some equity. Imagine the people that, you know, you talked into and helped and, you know, got them to buy a home in, you know, the outskirts of town. Well, you know, their home just doubled in price. So now if they sell it, they can maybe move a little bit closer to town, you know, closer to the beach and maybe get that a little bit more expensive home, especially with rates coming down. You know, you help them get out in front of that, but they could never do that if they were renting. And to the last point about after the starter home, you know, the whole talking people into it, like people think sales, especially people who aren't sales professionals, they all right. think that we're trying to talk them into something. We're talking right. about something. We're helping them navigate. We're communicating, especially in mortgages. Like you can't make someone afford a home if they can't afford it. Like either right. the math right. is there or isn't, you know, you're trying to explain to them the math and what debt to income ratio is, you know, that you use gross monthly income, not the income after taxes, you know, you're using monthly debt, not your overall debt. So, you know, it's a conversation, it's mostly math based and it's not talking anyone into anything. And so a lot of times it's about timing of household formation, you know, diamonds, diapers, you know, they're getting married, they're having children, debt and you take out some debt on that home, divorce, split the assets, one keeps, puts it in their name, someone's gotta get something else. You know, some would argue there's debt again right after divorce. Then there's downsizing. You retire. Maybe you do a heck of loan, which is known as a reverse mortgage, which you're an absolute expert at. You want to like make sure you never have a principal interest payment ever again. And then there's death, right? And don't forget the first one out of all of them, which is deployment, right? So, you know, someone's being deployed. They're coming onshore, offshore. They're moving base, off base. You know, the seven Ds, right? Deployment, diamonds, diapers, divorce, debt, death downsizing. Those are things that you could talk about. And you're just talking about, it's not like you're selling a gym membership or a mattress. You try to twist someone's arm and get something they don't want. It's a major purchase. So you're not really talking anyone anything other than you're talking about stuff and clearly communicating these topics. And that's just, you know, it's something you and I have to fight every day about sales, you know, like you're not selling, you're communicating. It is. It's funny that, yeah, sales has such a negative stigma because of the, you know, again, we talk about the used car salesman. Obviously, there's probably a lot of good used car salesmen that probably hate that analogy. Right. <laughs> um, but it's true, though, right? Like, I mean, there's a reason why people just don't like sales because historically sales has been considered like this, like, hey, you know, high pressure things like that. But, you know, one of the things we train on is there's two different types of pressure, right? There's internal pressure and there's external pressure. Internal pressure mm -hmm. is when you, when you have the conversation with them and they start to identify with wanting that solution. 
right? So they feel like they're making the decision themselves, right? They are, they ultimately are making the decision themselves, but you're guiding them down that path. And there's external mm-hmm. pressure, which is the traditional, hey, you know, hey, if you don't do it today, your rates are going to go up. If you don't do it today, whatever, you're missing out on equity, like trying to use external, basically kind of sort of fear tactics, like those work, but they make people have buyer's remorse. They make people want to like, hey, maybe they have that first conversation with you, but then they ghost you after you take their application, right? Like, you know, things like that, that may happen because mm-hmm. of that. And so I do think that, again, traditionally, that external pressure has been like the mechanism because it's, let's just be honest, like sometimes you have to have hard conversations with people and have to ask hard questions and deeper questions and things like that, that are a little bit more uh, difficult. It's all about approach. Trying to pressure them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's about approach. You know, the pressure in our industry does not come from you and I. The pressure right. in our industry comes from, you know, interest rates going up or someone else offering to buy that house. That's right. a real external pressure that we can communicate and say, look, right. I don't control the market, you know? So there's a way to communicate those pressure external things without being, you know, the bad person, you know, and say, look, right. I, right. I'm just telling you, like, you know, what I've noticed lately is rates are really volatile. And if we don't lock in today, of course, there's a chance that rates may go up and your payment will go up and we're really close on debt to income. And so let's talk about doing that. I would advise to lock, I'm an advisor, right? And so, you know, and I think there's ways to do it, you know, and it's just, it's a school of hard knocks for entry level sales professionals, you know, to kind of learn how to navigate those things. But yeah, the external pressure is, it's a great point you make because people are good with pressure. You know, one of the things about sales, yeah, I mean, one of the things about salespeople is like most of them, Start from zero on the first day of the month. Like you are literally eating nothing. You're making nothing. Your family is getting nothing. So you start making no money like day one of the month. But, you know, it goes to territory. Like having the confidence to know, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to come across some consumers. I'm going to provide them value. And I'm going to get a loan that will help provide for my family. Or I have a database or I have years of experience or I have a referral pipeline or I have a method, right? And so, you know, salespeople do have real pressure. And you can kind of sense, you know, who's feeling it or not, you know, your operations employee, or maybe your like your person in the IT department, you know, that has a salary and maybe doesn't have that kind of pressure or wants to even deal with that pressure. If you introduce that external pressure while you're talking to them about buying a house, it makes them feel uneasy. And so again, it's all yeah. about delivery. It's all about a way to do it. But your point is so valid because there are external pressures that we absolutely don't control in this business. Well, it's funny because I like to call that commission breath, right? When the, the <laughs> basically desperation, people can smell desperation. They can smell when you're just really need the sale, right? And again, personally, I think sales is a good thing. It's a good thing because you're not doing anything that they don't want to do, right? And I think that's the difference that most people don't understand. Like, I'm not a salesperson. Like, yes, you are. You're a salesperson. There's nothing wrong with being a salesperson. But anyway, we've gone down that rabbit hole. But, um, <laughs> you know, we talked about a little bit of social media, things like that. Like, I do think that that's a huge piece, especially in a market like today, because as we mentioned, people are scared, right? And I think people are looking for assurance. And social media, we talked about profiles, things like that. I know you're putting out a lot of content. It's like, what's like a recommendation for loan officers in terms of like, how do you sort of build up, you know, reviews? How do you build up a social media presence? Like maybe you have some strategies that you're kind of good at. What would you suggest to loan officers these days? Well, I would say that there are strategies that are free and then there are strategies that cost money. So let's start with the free ones, right? So, you know, that's probably the best way to go. I mean, look, what we do for a living, originators, what they're doing is communicating and you're communicating trying to communicate at scale and teaching that financial literacy at scale in the community and build your community. Now, mm-hmm. your community can obviously expand and 
Social media really helps you do that. It doesn't cost you any money to let your network know what you do. You know, hey, the retail sales came out, you know, here it's Thursday morning and it was the first negative retail sales number of the year. Why does that matter to you? Here's why it matters. We are looking at a potential recession and recessions are good. Inflation comes down, which means your dollars go further. Interest rates continue to come down because inflation is coming down. You can afford more house. Call me today. Like just a little thing like that, super quick, you know, and then at the end of the day, hey, the stock market sold off and that means we're closer to a bottom in the stock market. That means that we're getting closer to a potential recession and recessions are good for housing. Money's getting cheaper. It's more affordable for you. Call me. Let's get you started in a home today. You know, and like every little thing that comes out, hey, I got this new down payment assistance program. Hey, I got this new FICO report for you. I mean, every little thing, just talk, 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 drip, 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 drip. And people will watch if you're just providing value and you're communicating for free, you know, on your Instagram storyboard, Facebook storyboard, wherever your network is, you know, if you're communicating at scale for free, people are going to listen. And when the sure. timing is right, you know, maybe they'll call you. Now, maybe you want to get a little bit better. You want to put like a little QR code, you know, I'm invested in this company called WISP, W-H-I-S-P. It's a cool mm -hmm. QR code that when it's scanned, it goes right to a text message. So now you're texting with the bar. The bar scans your post and now they're texting you immediately you know and so you jump from eyeballs to thumbs and you're communicating with that consumer mm -hmm. that's a great way to capture and convert and get a timestamp when they looked at your stuff and so sure. you know for me those are like tactical things that you could do and that's a little inexpensive but getting back to the free stuff you know providing content at scale asking someone you know after they close you call them up and go hey are you mad at me what do you mean no i'm happy we just closed with you man we love our house well, why haven't you referred me anybody? You know, why haven't why haven't you gone online and given me a Google review? Tell people that you're happy with me. I would really appreciate that. Me and my family would appreciate that, that we can reach out and help other families if you say on Google, you know, that you had a five-star experience, you know, or maybe you have something you pay a little bit money for that sends out, you know, things like experience.com is a great one. You know, you've got, you know, this reputation management survey that goes out automatically. You know, maybe you have a CRM and you're having content dripping, you know, these are things that start to cost a little bit here and there, but I think are sure. totally worth it. You know, maybe your content's good and, you know, now you want to pay a little bit of advertising dollars and spend a little money to push out to more people, build more of an audience, more of a following. I mean, you know, it's endless, right? And so, you know, the difference between a great business and a good business is sometimes really just marketing. It doesn't have to be great marketing. It's just the fact that you're marketing, you know, that you're communicating at scale and you're putting it out there. You know, like you said earlier and alluded to earlier, you know, a loan officer managing their referrals and their network and their community, that is your business that you run. And, you know, how do you scale your business? A lot of it, you know, you can do pretty inexpensively, or maybe you want to spend strategically a little bit of money. And so those are just some tactical things just off the top of my head that I could, you know, fire out there. And I know that, you know, you've got some great content you put out, you know, on your podcast that show people more tactically how to do that. I don't know how yeah. deep you want to go, but I could rattle for hours here with you. Oh, no, for sure, man. I think one thing that you brought up, obviously, is like, you know, are you mad at me? I think that's pretty cool. I think a quick sort of uh, side note there as well, you were talking about the 60s or 70s or whatever it is. That's 70s. another way that you can talk about it too. Like, hey, you know anybody who's going to buy a house? They may not know somebody, but maybe they know someone who's getting married. Maybe they know someone who's having a baby. You know anybody who's having a baby or getting married? Those are usually good times for people to buy a house. 
that's a good way to make someone think in a different way. Cause like when you ask someone, Hey, like send me a referral. You're like, I don't know anybody. Like how many people talk? I mean, like what's the referral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like someone explicitly say, I'm looking for a house. Oh, okay. I go, Oh, you know, and even if they say that, you know, do they go call KP? You know, like, I don't know. You know, so the four D's have been in the industry for a while. I actually added three more. And so I, you know, you heard it right here, the seventies, right? So we put deployment first, you know? So like you said, Hey, do you know any veterans? Have them call me. If you know any veterans, just boom, that's it. You know, or do you know anybody getting married? You know, do you know anybody having children? You know, diamonds, diapers, you know, do you know anybody that has debt? You know, debt, right? Do you know anyone getting divorced? You know, I've helped people getting divorced. Do you know anyone that's downsizing? You know, the kids are empty nesting or, you know, maybe they want a smaller place. Do you know anyone that has, you know, family member that's died? You know, Mm -hmm. like those seven different questions. You could have, gosh, probably 70 different pieces of content just on the seven Ds, you know? And like you said, to your point, those are things that you can start to get others thinking about to send you a referral or else most people are just like, you know, oh yeah, so-and-so told me they're looking for a house and Luke just sent me this email. So, oh yeah, oh, now I'll give them the referral. Maybe, right. I mean, maybe right. they will if they put it all together and then right. you know, what do they do? They, do they pick up their phone and then text you? You're like, oh, this friend of mine, you know, like you're asking a lot, right? That's a lot so, of friction. You know, and so it's about timing, you know? So if you're just dripping and constantly talking on social media and you're just out there and then it happened, you're on top of mind. You're like, like oh man, like Luke's on it, dude. I see Loans in a Man podcast. I see his storyboards on Instagram. Man, this is the guy. Like, he's got a family. He's got a fourth kid on the way. He's in San Diego. Dude, he knows what he's talking about. You got to call this guy. And now you have super fans that you've created who are literally selling on your behalf. I don't know if you ever see Brittany Hodak. She talks about creating super fans. You know, like, sure. you know, she's an example of like pet owners love Chewy. You know, like the way that they create fans. You know, like, you know, do you have a super fan of Luke or a super fan of KP? Like, oh, dude, you got to call KP. And so, you know, it's just about branding and communication and it doesn't have to be like salesy, you know, it's just being, you know, disciplined and consistent and communicating at scale and putting in the work and just building a communication chain and a brand where people think about you. And there's a way to do that and not be like over the top, like some of these people, these personalities you see on TV where you just like, right. oh my God, you roll your eyes at them, but you know them. <laughs> you yeah, know, so. yeah, yeah. Parasocial relationships are a powerful thing, right? I mean, I do think that there's a ton of power to what you're talking about is putting out content and like people are like, well, what do I talk about? Like you just brought up, you know, six different things that you could break up into a multiple different things. And there's this chat GPT, right? This uh, AI based software that just kind of rolled out. You could literally throw in there like, write me a TikTok script about XYZ. It'll write you a script. You can obviously, you know, edit it to be what you want, but like, you don't need to do it from scratch either. There's a lot of cool ways that you can leverage technology to help you build ideas. You can also say, Hey, what are the 10 most talked about things in the mortgage industry? Or like, you know, start looking at lists of ideas and things like that. But real quick, you also brought up, you know, business marketing, like the difference between a good and a great business is marketing. I was just watching, I think it was a YouTube video or a documentary or something about liquid death. Are you familiar with liquid death? Huh. Oh, you mean the drink? Liquid, it's water. Water. Right? Yeah. Water. Yeah. Right. Like you talked about, yeah. like, you know, the guy was basically talking about how, like, you know, how do you break into a you know, multi-billion dollar business, which is just right. water, right? Like just water. And he's like, it's 90% branding and 10%. I don't know if the, what the exact numbers were, but his majority of it is like, what is a brand that people are going to be like, this is cool. I'm going to pick this up. He's like, once you get them to pick it up, like that right there is like the hardest part. And so, you know, again, just, it's a totally random side note, but just talking about this whole idea of branding. Monster's like, the same way. Monster, you know, brand. they're based right here in Corona, like a multi-billion dollar market cap company. It's sugar water, right? It's an energy drink. You know, 
there's Red Bull, there's Monster. I mean, you go to the grocery store, there's literally like a hundred of them in the case, you know? And like you said, it's it just, you know, you see the Monster Claw, like on, all, you know, yeah. the Monster Trucks and, you know, in NASCAR and like everywhere, right? You know, so, you know, on PGA golfers bags, I mean, it's, you know, Rocket Mortgage, right? How many times have you and I had an originator or a friend and just beat the brakes off of their quote? But you know what? They're on top of mind because they're advertising everywhere. They have a huge yeah. call center. You know, God bless them. You know, like, look, I'm not going to hate. You know, they went out and they branded. They paid tons of money for marketing. So again, I mean, a lot of times a great business really is just the difference of marketing or not. I love that you brought that up because I bring this up all the time. People always want to talk crap about Rocket. And I said, I get it. Like, they're not what's best for the consumer. But what lessons can you learn from them, right? They've understood that if they go direct to the consumer and they brand themselves and they create this, like, so many people are like, oh, well, going direct to the consumer, like, I just go to the realtor. Like, there's a reason why Rocket was able to create a multi-billion dollar company going direct to consumer. Like, they're smart enough to know that they go to direct to the consumer. You know, they talk to one person, they're going to go with them. Like, the consumer doesn't know anything. Is that great for the consumer? No, but can you learn something from what they've done? They understand what the consumer wants. Push button, get mortgage. <laughs> they want a fast, easy transaction. They think they want a fast, easy transaction. That We always obviously know that that's not the case, but that's what they understand is that the consumer's scared and they think it's going to be a long, complicated process. And Rocket has gone along and said, no, it's not. Come to us. We'll make it easy for you. Yep. How can and, you apply then- that to your branding? Well, you know, the good news is there's just an abundance of business in our industry. I mean, we're going to have a down year and do $2 trillion in loans in 2023. And, you know, something like 1.5, 1.6 trillion in purchase business, just purchase business. So you can etch out and do guerrilla marketing, guerrilla tactics, be local, win local. You know, that's the one gripe I think that most originators, you know, have in the business is like, you know, someone in Detroit on a headset is coming into our community, you know. And so do they know better, you know, than we do? I mean, we would say no. We'd say local originators is the best option for a consumer. But if you're invisible, you don't market yourself. You're not out there. They never know know you're there. So are you really better? I mean, are you better if you're invisible? You know, let's stop the jealousy thing and let's just be visible. Let's communicate. Let's talk. Let's put ourselves out there. And you can market and get out in front of some of the larger brands and names by winning local, by marketing yourself locally, like doing the podcast, you know, like using social media. These are things that are, you know, brilliant and they just take time. You know, you just got to invest in yourself and over time be consistent and disciplined and you'll see results. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I brought this up. I think it was like a year ago or two years ago, I brought this up on social. I said, if you truly cared about the consumers like you say you do, then you would market the crap out of your business. Because if you really truly believe that your product is much better than Rocket, you know, for example, like, wouldn't you do whatever you could to get in front of them before Rocket gets to them? But totally. you know, people like to virtue signal because it gets them business, but then like their actions don't really back up, you know, the truth, right? So um, anyway, you know, that's a little bit of a slippery slope. So we'll kind of come back around to helping originators. If there was one thing, one thing that you're going to go today, like let's say you were to go start originating today, what would you go out there and do today to go get business? Wow, today, man, you know what? I would have a brand name. You know, so for me, it's KP. So um, I'm KP. It's kind of funny because it started because my last name, like yours, is hard to pronounce. <laughs> so we both got each other's last names wrong. You know, so to save people's embarrassment of saying, you know, perennial, I just say, just call me KP. And so it's kind of turned into this thing where like, you know, oh, talk to KP, ask KP, you know, KP will know, KP this. Because I put out videos on free social media, on LinkedIn. You know, that's where I do my work. I'm on the C-level independent mortgage banker side. I'm on the executive side. So I'm trying to build this business 
you know, to help originators scale up. And so, you know, my audience may not necessarily be consumers, but I try and help originators build their business. And so, you know, this guy right here, this shirt, I just happened to be wearing it today. It's one of our top producers in Tampa. Awesome dude, Jordan Breland. He has a thing called 14 Days to Close. So, you know, it's something he's always had out there and he advertises that, right? So for me, I like branding. I think coming up with, like you said, liquid death. Like, dude, that's badass. Like liquid death. Like, what is this? Oh, it's water. (laughs) But it's cool, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I somehow got stuck on Fiji because my wife and I, like, you know, when we were dating, we were like, where would you want to go for your honeymoon? And we both said Fiji. And so we just like, well, let's manifest that. So we started drinking Fiji water and then we got married and we went to Fiji for our honeymoon. So, you know, so I got hooked on it. I couldn't tell the difference between any water I drink, you know? So don't let this big nose fool you. I don't smell or taste very well. So I couldn't tell you the difference between any kind of water out there. But, you know, I think getting branded with a brand means all kinds of things. It's like, I believe in, you know, honesty, integrity, courage, trust, honor. Like, you know, this is what KP stands for. This is what KP, you know, does. No one's going to work out. You know, I'm not trying to talk about myself on the third party, but since you're talking about a brand, you know, I've built up this reputation in the last couple of years on LinkedIn where, you know, other companies that are like startup technology and fintech that are in our business, they go call KP. And so I actually get a lot of like very early stage tech deals or teams, you know, ask for my advice and I try and help them and coach them through based on what I've seen because I'm constantly on the hunt to try and find better technology to serve my originators and to serve our company. And so somehow I've got like part of the KP brand on LinkedIn in the whole B2B thing is I'm getting, you know, it's almost like I'm a venture capitalist. And honestly, like, you know, I have been investing in tech companies. So, I mean, I guess I could put that on my thing, but it's about branding, right? So now people are asking for my advice. They're asking what I think about this business. They're asking what I think about this tech. And not because I act like I know more than anyone. I just put myself out there. Like you should see the messages I get on LinkedIn. I get random people that want to sell me something. I mean, I'm in sales as a professional. So I actually reply to all these in-mails and all these random messages. Like you never know what you're going to uncover. I don't act like I'm too big. You know, I'm in the corner office and Corona and, you know, I don't need to talk to somebody, you know, like, dude, I invite people into my home. You know, I talk about what we're looking at as far as, you know, a lender and in our financial statement and where we think the markets are going. And I freely give it away. And freely giving that information away provides value. And if I'm doing that on social media at scale, it helps promote a brand. And the good news is you can start today. Like there's no bad time to start if you've never done that. And, right. you know, it doesn't have to be some, you know, catchy name, you know, like loans on demand is great. Like that speaks to an originator. Like, how do I get loans on demand? You know, how do I have businesses coming to me? You know, one of my buddies, he says, I don't recruit, I attract. You know, I heard him say that, you know, but it's cool. And you create a brand, you create, I'm not even saying image, right? I'm not trying to go that route. I don't want this to feel like an ego thing, but the reality is people have to gravitate towards something they know, like, and trust. And right. that really starts with you being you know, intentional and conscious about creating your own personal brand, your own personal value proposition, and then communicating it at scale where people are putting eyeballs on it and going from eyeballs to thumbs and texting you and emailing you and calling you. That's it. That's what I would say if I was starting a business from day one. Yeah, I love it. I think there's a lot to be said about that because there's what you stand for at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, you communicate what you stand for and people that are attracted to those same principles are going to be attracted to it, right? And the other thing that 
I think it's huge too, is like, I don't remember who it was that told me this, but way back in the day, a couple of years back, someone was like, are you all in on your business? Like, are you all in? Are you wearing your shirts? Are you, you know, like, do you have a brand? Did you create little, you know? So I like slapped on my logo and I started wearing them every single day. My wife hated me for it. You know, it was like <laughs> digital marketing. And then I had to change that name. So it was just funny because like I literally every single picture for like the last like seven years or whatever, five years is like me wearing one of my branded shirts. But it was funny because that one little conversation of like, are you all in on yourself and your business? That made me like, am I though? And that kind of made right? me think like, how am I communicating like what I do? Like think, everywhere think of, that I am. Think of online. people who are all in on Apple, right? They proudly wear their Apple watch everywhere. They proudly tell you they're an iPhone owner. Oh, you're on Android, which I happen to be. Oh, you're the green, oh, bu- green bubble text. The text thing, right? You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, green right? text but, brigade over here. Me too. But here's the thing. Like this person may not be in sales, but they're certainly signaling to everyone. They love Apple. They're all in on Apple. You know, they're letting the world know. You know, the clothes they wear, the car they drive, you know, Mm -hmm. the way they speak, where they put their children in school, you know, every one of us does it, whether you're in sales or not. And so, you know, for you, it's your livelihood. So yeah, are you all in on it? You are brother. And so there's nothing wrong with being all in on something you're passionate about. You know, you provide value. You bring certainty and knowledge. You help people create wealth. Dude, I would never apologize for what I do. If I was a full-time originator, I would want to sing from the rooftops what I do because I'm so honored to do it. And so I'm with you on that. And there's always a comeback for that. As someone says, you're too, I had someone in one of my departments said some, like some vendor or someone was being too salesy is what they said. And I paused the conversation. I said, you know, I just want to remind everyone that the salespeople are the ones that bring in loans and actually creates stability and job stability for everyone at this company. I'm not trying to create a boys club. Because by the way, we have more top female producers than men at this company. And I'm not trying to have the sales tail wag the dog, but just a little reminder, the hunters go out, find business and create opportunity, which by the way, is creating wealth for a homeowner. And that's what puts bread on the table for everyone back here taking care of it. I don't need to say it very forcefully every now and then, but sometimes you have to remind them, like the sales team is actually helping provide stability for us. And so you know, just kind of back off on the too salesy thing. Sometimes people need that checkup, right? And it's what it is. I mean, like imagine if you're an attorney, you know, and you spend all this time getting a law degree and then you go work for a firm. Well, how do you get business? Do you just say, you know, I got a law degree? Okay, that might work. Do you say it on social media? I mean, that is literally sales, but someone at the company has to develop business. That's what sales is. Or else you don't have any trials or cases or speeding tickets or whatever to work on. So it doesn't matter whether you like sales or not or come from sales, it helps create opportunity, which at the end of the day provides value for so many different facets of life. So brother, sing it from the rooftops, man. You are absolutely providing value. Love it, man. So let's wrap it up. And we've gone for a while. We could probably go for another hour, but I don't want to bore everybody with our ranting and raving about all kinds of good, good <laughs> stuff. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Someone wanted to learn a little bit more about PRMG, uh, connect with you. Like what's the best place to uh, kind of, you know, connect with you or learn a little bit more about kind of what you guys do and how you guys got all kinds of different things going on. So, yeah, I mean, we're a privately owned independent mortgage banker. Those are two founders, Paul and Robert, and then myself and Gary Malice rounding out the ownership team. Dude, we're totally accessible. Like there's no ivory tower here. We grind every day. You would not believe like the minutia for this company that like our CEO and founder literally looks at every check that comes through. We inspect every like vendor contract. Like, I mean, we look at this business, right? You know, uh, inspect what you expect, right? So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn under Kevin Perennio, P-E-R-A-N-I-O. 
you can message me. You can go to prmg.net. You know, whether you're an originator, you want to be served in any one of our three channels. We have a retail, a wholesale, correspondent channel. We're here to serve. And of course, you know, I'd appreciate it if anyone, you know, hops on and looks at my content on my YouTube channel, KP Talks Dollars and Cents. You just look up KP Talks. It'll pop up there. You can see my ugly mug. It's a little bit better polished editing, some cool graphics, 20-minute videos versus just the 10 I do on LinkedIn. And again, like, you know, we're here to serve. I'm here to help be on whatever podcast, interview, call, hook you up with whatever. Like, you know, we're here to serve, man. So, uh, you know, I'm just honored you had me on your uh, podcast today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Kevin, thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed our conversation today. I think there was a ton of valuable content, a bunch of things that you can take away from this as a loan officer. I think some of the biggest things, though, you know, comes down to, you know, we're in a market that's tough. It's just going to take more work, more effort, more calls, more videos, more DMs, more text messages, more of everything. And I think, you know, it has been good and it's been really good for two years, but it's really been good for 12 years, 10 years, whatever it's been. I right. mean, it's been a good market for 12 years. I mean, really 2010 to today, right? I mean, other than the last couple months. So it's going to take more work in these markets. So, you know, what is it going to take? It's going to take doing more content. Amen. I also think, again, I mean, just being a leader, you talked about this a lot. I mean, being a leader, standing up, showing people, putting out content that's valuable, giving, giving, giving. I mean, it's the jab, 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 right hook, right? The, the Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, yeah. You know, just give more value than you receive back and you're always going to be served well. He's amazing. I had a chance to meet him in his office, man. I took his 4Ds training, oh, sat no across way. the table. Yeah, sat across the table from him for an hour and 20 minutes. And um, he's got great information. He's exactly... How he is, you know, when you see him on social media, you know, which is great. So he's intense. genuine. Yeah. I mean, when he gets into something, you know, like he's trying to drive home a point, he does get intense. But in a closed room without the camera on, he's operating a business. He's operating, you know, a world-class digital media and advertising company. And, you know, right. I have an advertising degree from University of Texas. I mean, to me, I love communication. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, 10Xing down your business and being all in on your business, all these things we talked about today. I'll leave one thing here is that. I went to the Housing Wire Vanguard Summit not too long ago. It was kind of like an invite-only thing. And there were these data wonks that look at MLS data. One of them was called MLS Insights. And they said, even in November, in October, November, they are looking online at houses like never before. And so there's this pent-up demand. And we're seeing it. We're noticing prequals. They may not be hitting as a loan right away because there's not as many listings. By the way, there's not as much supply being built either. So we're going to have a problem right. again this spring. You know, multiple offers on houses again. We've got to tell our bars that. Rates are coming down. Prices are coming down. It's about to be the spring purchase season. People are lurking. People are getting prequalled. Man, we're so close to just like feeling normal again. And so I would just say, you know, if you need that little hope, right? I'm telling you, the data is showing me that. And I'm telling everybody, like we're turning the corner. We're literally in the middle of it. I've turned multiple corners now in my 21, almost 22 year career. And we're almost there. So yeah, get ready. It's coming. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I think that's huge advice because I do agree. I think that I see a lot of people getting, I mean, pre-approvals are flowing. I think the hardest part right now is, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, getting deals in the contract, finding the right homes. And I think that comes down to also just partnering with the right real estate agent. So I do think that that comes down to how do you bring value to the right agents and a lot of these uh, episodes dive into some different ways that you can bring value to them, right? And so I do think that's a huge, huge strategy, you know, get in front of as many agents as you can. I mean, you know, because 
uh, at the end of the day, like they're going to feed you, but at the same time, like bring them value. Don't just show up and be a gimme hello, give them some <laughs> sort of value that they can implement that can help them grow their business. That can make them more efficient. That can help them close more deals in less time. There's a lot of different ways you can bring value. It doesn't have to be bringing them deals. It could just be, you know, Hey, here's a cool process that you can use to save you, you know, four hours a week. What can you do with four hours a week? Right. There's a lot of different ways that you can bring value. So for everybody well who's listening, said. thank you so much for being here. Kevin, thank you so much for being here as well and sharing your wisdom with everybody. If you are a loan officer and you are looking for some more information about how to flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Cheers. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.